Where are you headed? I'm drifting south, more or less. You? <laughs> Just drifting. Any action here? Yeah, grocery clerk bouncing one of those bars across the street, if that's your taste. Uh. Yeah. Well, see you. Say, uh, what's your name? Make it Vin. What's your? Chris. So the men of the village, they head into town to buy guns. Not that they knew how to use guns, but they went to town to buy guns because they figured that's the way we've got to stand up against Calvera. And when they arrive, they, they see Chris and Vin. Now, Chris and Vin are guns for hire. These are, these are men that, that are not, on the surface, good guys. But, but, they're, they're, but they, face themsel- they found themselves in a spot where we, where we meet them here, where they are facing down an injustice. You see, they were making sure that even in death, a man, a man who had died finds burial because he was being denied the opportunity to be buried with the, with the other men of the community because of the color of his skin. And Chris and Ben said, no, enough, we can't let this happen. And so the men of this Mexican village see this. And, and they said, we're going to have to, we want to, we want to go talk with these men. We want to talk with these men about, about what this is and why they're doing what they're doing and what the trouble is that we are facing. You see, Chris and Vin were standing up, were standing up against injustice. And like I said earlier, as Christ followers... We are also called to stand up against injustice. We're called to stand up and say, enough is enough. We're not letting this happen. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 tells us this. It says to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. It's it's telling us to be a voice for the voiceless. For those who don't have the ability to stand and say, I, to say, this isn't right. We're, dispo- we're supposed to stand in the gap for them on their behalf. And on behalf of the gospel of Jesus. And Chris and Vin, it, these, these are men who on the, on the outside were men that you would not expect. But on the inside, there was a character in them that said, we can't, we can't not help. You see, they looked around and they saw the injustice in the world and they engaged. But sometimes the injustice we are supposed to engage, the injustice we are supposed to face, knocks directly on our door. We think you are a man we can trust. Thank you very much. We wish you to help us. There's this man, Calvera. A thief, a murderer. He and his men, they steal our food, and then they leave us to starve. Not only that, but our women. Oh, wait, wait, just a minute. If you need protection, why don't you go to the Rurales? We did, twice. But they can't station men in a small village for who knows how long. So they left. And when they left, he came again, Calvera. And every year since. And he will do so until he is stopped. Sit up. 
So Chris is introduced, introduced to the men of this village, and they knock on his door and say, there's something going on in our village. And his first response is, is to help them look to outside resources to, to combat this injustice. But quickly he realizes they don't have that opportunity. And something inside him compels him to step in. So he recruits Vin and he grabs five other men. And they have one on the surface discernible skill. They deal in lead and they do it real well. So they walk back into this community. They walk back into this community and they are ready to do the one thing they know how to do. They walk back into this community with, with their guns, ready to fight this battle, to face down this injustice. But that's not, it's not always as cut and dry for us when we see something that God lays on our heart about what we are, that we are supposed to engage in. It's not always as cut and dry. It's not always we walk in, here's one step, this is how we fight. That's not always the way this works. But we have an example. You see, Jesus is our example on how, of how to engage in culture. Jesus is our example of how to engage in justice. You see, the greatest injustice that the world ever experienced was an injustice that we did to ourselves. When mankind was, was created, we were created in the image of God, in community with God, to live with Him forever in the Garden of Eden. But after we had journeyed with him and lived with him and communed with him for a little while, we met the serpent. And in 45 words, the serpent convinced perfectly satisfied people they were starving to death and sin entered this world. The, the greatest injustice in the history of mankind is sin. And it is an injustice that we invited into our neighborhood. It is an injustice we welcomed into our front, into our living room. It is an injustice that we served at our dinner table. We did this. And Jesus, who is our example, lets us know how you engage these things. Jesus, who could have wiped us off the planet because he was, is, and always will be God, engaged this injustice in a way that radically changed the trajectory of the world and our lives as well. John 1.14 tells us how Jesus engaged this injustice. It says, The Word, that is Jesus, became flesh and made His dwelling among us. You see, as we had invited sin and injustice into our lives, Jesus invited Himself into the world and said, No, I'm making my dwelling here because, I because there is a better way. And through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection... There is a battle plan to face injustice, but it requires getting dirty. You see, Jesus, Scripture also tells us, was, was tempted in the same way that we all have been tempted, but, in, but was without sin. Friends, that is a humongous deal. He was tempted with pride, with greed, with anger, with lust, with envy, with jealousy, with all of the things that we are tempted with, but he lived without sin so that he could be the power we needed to face down the injustices in our own life, the injustice of sin and the injustice of, of the, the, the resulting injustices of sin in this world. 
Jesus became our example and our power source. And what did he do while he was here? Well, he did something that we see in the, in the movie. You see, that it, in this movie, there is a moment where the Magnificent Seven, they have had their first encounter with Calvera, and they won, and because it was only three guys, but they quickly realized that three would lead to 40 or 50, and well, seven against 40 or 50 are not good odds. Um, in case you were wondering, it's really not good odds. And so what did they realize they needed to do? They needed to equip and empower the people of the village to stand on their own and stand against injustice themselves. And isn't that, that's what Jesus did. Jesus' life was about facing down the injustice, but giving away so we could stand under his power and face it ourselves. See, Jesus was the ultimate hero, but also the ultimate hero maker. And, and you see in this movie that these cowboys, these gunslingers, these guns for hire become, they step from being a hero to being a hero maker. And when we face injustice, that is our job as well. Our job is not to be the hero, but to be the hero maker and help others stand firm. If he rides in with no idea of the reception we can prepare for him, I promise you we'll all teach him something about the price of corn. Settle down. Now you miss the first chance, you may not get a second. Now get that butt tight in your shoulder. If you don't, two things will happen. One, you'll waste a bullet. Two, you'll break your arm. Now close your eyes. Aim from here to here to the target. Fire. That rock? Oh, the man you're gonna kill. Bueno. That's good. Great. Chicken enchiladas, carne asada, and Spanish rice. Looks pretty good. Yeah, these people really know how to cook. Dig in. Tons of it. So we know what these people, the villagers, have been eating ever since we got here. Tortillas and a few beans, that's all. Granada. Gracias. Granada. Gracias. Granada. Gracias. You don't have to have an old grateful sister at home. No, senor. You see, I said earlier that these men, they came with one discernible skill. Well, they came with one surface skill. But you start to see in them how they were created. Some of these seven, some of these, ma- some of these men were, were created. They were teachers. They would teach these villagers how to defend themselves. Others became men who spoke words of encouragement and kept the, kept the main thing to be the main thing, which is we're not here to take from these people, we're here to bless them. Others built relationships so that trust could be built, so that the men and women of this village felt comfortable following the lead of the seven. You see, they were all given gifts. And when we have called upon the name of Jesus as Lord and received Him as Savior then we get to experience the same thing ourselves. See, our teaching big idea is this, is that we have been given gifts and passions that are meant to impact the world with the good news. You see, that's the ultimate end of this, my friends. 
The end isn't that we come in and we save the day. The end is that we come in and and, in the end we introduce people to the king of all creation who is the ultimate hero and the only power source they will ever need to stand on their own. That is the ultimate goal of engaging in justice. And we've all been gifted in many different ways. Ephesians 4 tells us this. It says, He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. That's Jesus. So Christ himself gave the apostles. Those are people who can always see the next step, who are always looking for the next mountain to climb. They know where they're going. The prophets, those are people who speak truth, biblical truth into circumstances. The evangelist, that's the guy who's a recruiter. He's a gatherer. He's always telling people, the, gets down to the brass tacks and says, get to know Jesus as Lord. The pastors, those are those men who come when life gets hard and they pick you up and they walk with you through the mess. And the teachers, those are those, who, those, are those folks who come along and can equip you to, to stand on your own two feet and do things yourself. You see, so he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, when Jesus comes and lives inside of us and we spend time with him, we begin to become more like him and look more like him. The fullness of Christ is not, is, doesn't end with just eternal salvation. It begins with temporary transformation into an eternal transformed self. And our transformation begins with our character, that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, we have all of these things so that we are built up together and in unity so that we can stand and face the injustices together. You see, and sometimes that's easy. We see in our movie that, that in the first battle with Calvera, right after they've done equipped these folks to stand on their own, Calvera shows up and he is not ready for them. And the villagers in the Magnificent Seven, they stand and they fight and they win and Calvera runs away. And the village, they celebrate Because they think the battle is over. But then something happens. It gets hard. Remember that first truth we talked about earlier? In this world you will have trouble. Their trouble came back. And their trouble came back with a vengeance. And he ambushed the Magnificent Seven. And he caught them. And they got stuck. And they had a decision to make. The decision was a decision of life or death. But it really was a decision of do we stand or do we flee? And friends, as we stand against injustice, we have a decision to make too. And when facing challenges, when facing injustice, we must decide, just like the Magnificent Seven did, to stand firm and not run away. Buenas noches. You'll be dead. All of you. Like that. If that's what you want. Do we have a choice? Of course. 
Sit down. Let's talk. Things are turned around now, huh? You're wondering how. Your friends, they don't like you very much anymore. You force them to make too many decisions. With me, only one decision. Do what I say. You should not be surprised. My good friend, Sotero, he arranged to let me come in. Comprende? Well, anyway, to business. I could kill you all. You agree? Well, you don't disagree. Anyway, I don't want to kill you. Why so generous? Practical. They hear about it up north. Maybe some friends of yours make more trouble for me. A man who never wants no trouble. Right on. Just like that? <laughs> Just like... I make it easy for you. You want food? Give them food. Water? All right, water. Horses? Saddle and wait. Guns? The guns, the gun belts you take off and put here now. What I don't understand is why a man like you took the job in the first place. Why, huh? I wonder myself. No, come on, come on, tell me why. There's a fellow I once knew in El Paso one day. He just took all his clothes off and jumped in a mess of cactus. I asked him the same question, why? And? He said it seemed to be a good idea at the time. time to learn my old bow from a hot rock. Right now I belong back in that border town, sleeping on white sheep. Go right back to the village. You're crazy, Ollie. They will lift a finger to help. Think of the odds. Harry, nobody's asking you to go back. Right on, Harry. It's all right. Bet your sweet life I will. Come on, Lee. They want to get killed? Let them. Go ahead, Lee. You don't owe anything to anybody. Except to myself. Crazy. Ollie, come on. So, our heroes find themselves in a spot where they have a decision to make. They've been ambushed, they've been sent on their way, and, well, because the bad guys in movies are never all that smart, they were given their guns back. 
But they still had a decision to make. And Harry, one of the guys who was there, who ended up joining them in this battle, uh, said the odds aren't that good. Like I said earlier, seven against 40 or 50 is not a good, those, those aren't good odds. But there was something inside of them that said we can't run. They could have. They could have gone back to, like, like Vin said, the border town, and they probably would have gotten more jobs as hired guns. Nobody would have been the wiser for what just happened, but they couldn't. You see, there was something inside of them that said that, that, that they were morally drawn to stand and put their lives on the line. And the truth is, they won the fight, but four of them lost their lives. The people of the village stood up, borrowed the courage of the Magnificent Seven and came out for this battle. And they ended up winning, but not without loss. Four of the seven gave their lives for people they had only recently met. Four of the seven gave their lives to stand against injustice. Four of the seven did what Jesus did to face down the injustice that we invited into our own living room. See, because Scripture goes, goes, it says, for Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but instead made himself like man. And he humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. You see, Jesus did that for us. And with that comes a power that is beyond us. You see, Jesus, our example, he stayed when he could have wiped out creation. He was given the opportunity. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is a little bit of the revised Joe version here. But he said, Dad, if there's any other way, I'm okay with that. But not, your, not my will, but yours be done. And he stayed and he died for us. To face down injustice. Jesus, our ultimate example. Jesus, our ultimate example, came, lived the perfect life, died a death we, re- we deserved, and rose again on the third day to make the power available for us to stand. And when we call upon the name of Jesus as Lord and receive Him as Savior, He takes up residency inside of us as the Holy Spirit. And this is where that second promise from earlier comes in. It said, in this world we will have troubles. We know this. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. You see, the power that overcame the world lives inside those of us who have called upon His name. Because Scripture tells us that greater is He who is in me than he who is in the world. And it means no matter what the odds, because of Jesus, I can stand. And that is what we are called to do. We are called to stand. We are called to stand against injustice. We are called to stand for the, and be the voice for the voiceless. We are called to speak for those who can't speak for themselves, to look out for those who don't have vision to see for themselves. We are called to preach the good news and introduce people to Jesus so they can stand on their own. And we can only do this because of the power that lives inside of us. But you see, Jesus, the ultimate hero maker, his earthly ministry was limited. 
He equipped 12 and 72. And that multiplied and multiplied and multiplied into those of us who are sitting in this room who call upon Jesus as Lord. You see, we've been given gifts. We've been given power. We've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit so we can stand. But sometimes that's not, that doesn't mean we're there forever. It doesn't mean we're standing and we're never leaving. We're never, our, our, our job is never done. You see, our job and our calling, and this is the church as a whole, is to be a blessing to those in need while God allows us. Could I stay, you know? They wouldn't be sorry to have you stay. They won't be sorry to see us go either. Yes. The fight is over. Your work is done. For them, each season has its tasks. If there were a season for gratitude, they'd show it more. We didn't get any more than we expected, old man. Only the farmers have one. They remain forever. They are like the land itself. You helped rid them of Calvera, the way a strong wind helps rid them of locusts. You are like the wind blowing over the land and passing on. Why am their job was done they had stood in the face of injustice and with the help of the villagers they had won in the beginning they were the heroes but they became the hero makers and when we face injustice when we stand on behalf of the gospel of Jesus and face injustice. There will be times when our season of fighting, when our season of standing in that arena is done. And we can only do this through one power source. You see, we are called to fight against injustice and stand firm through the power of Jesus. So friends, the God who overcame the world has called us to stand. He has called us to stand and say enough is enough. There's something in my world that grabs my soul and I know that it's against the gospel of Jesus and I am going to engage that. I'm going to engage it as I'm gifted and as I'm called and as I have the passion and I'm going to move that direction. I'm going to follow the example of Jesus and I'm going to move toward the problem and not run away from it. Earlier I said that our calling as a church, as a community, as a totality of Christ's followers is to be a blessing to those in need while God allows us. But those of us who have called upon Jesus as Lord and have and, and, and have received Him as Savior, and the Holy Spirit has taken up residency in us, we have all been given unique callings as well. Something that we are supposed to stand on behalf of. Maybe it's a people group. Maybe it's a neighborhood. Maybe it's a school. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a cause. But it's things that draw people away from the ultimate goal, which is life in Christ. And we are to stand 
So the question today is, what is your calling? And what gifts has God given you to join others and impact the world with the good news? You see, we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And because the Holy Spirit lives inside those of us who are Christ followers, we've been given the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And these are things, these are big, big questions that I'm not expecting anyone to have the answer to today. But we want to help. I don't want to leave you with questions without giving you a tool. And so today I want to share with you a a tool that we have here. It's called Shape. And you go to this website, shape.westsidefamilychurch.com. And at this, you'll take a little assessment and then we'll gather and we'll talk. And we'll talk about how God has shaped you to impact and influence this world for the good news. Because that is our calling. Our calling is to face down the greatest injustice in the history of mankind and lead people to Jesus. Matthew 28 says, Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, you're not alone. Jesus is with you. Let's go make an impact by introducing people to Jesus.